Oh, the sound is lovely. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, like liquid chocolate. That's what we like. Uh, we could do an Cadbury's ad. <laughs> My guest today is the perfumer, mother, and founder of Joe Malone and Joe Loves Joe Malone. When Jo was young, she grew up in a council home and she had to look after her mum and she was dyslexic. And I think she had a grit and a determination actually early on because of her family situation and what she had to do. And she then grew up and made her way and grafted and started a company she sold to Estee Lauder and then has started another one which she owns herself. And that shows such determination and grit it shows such fearlessness as well, because starting one business and selling it, it takes so much to start another business. I know that because I've been in that situation. You really think, what will I do differently and how am I going to do it? So I cannot wait to hear the details of Jo's story and to talk through with her when she has faced her worst fears and how she has worked through them. So let's welcome Jo Malone. Joe, it's absolutely delightful to see you again. And I think the last time I saw you was before I was starting Trinity London. Mm -hmm. I came to see you at Elizabeth Street and you gave me great advice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I've got Trinity London on right oh now. Oh, my God. And I love it. That little oh. stack goes oh. everywhere with me. So Fantastic. thank you. Brilliant Fantastic. product. Well, my daughter's room is full of Joe Loves. And I don't know if you know that it's like a TikTok trend. No. Joe Loves. And I think... You need to lean into this because TikTok trends are something that are like, ka-ching, TikTok trend, you know. But there's many things that I want to chat through with you. But I want to start with one of my favourite books because you have something in common with a protagonist in the book. And it's Perfume by Suskin. Oh, my goodness. Because he had this special sense of smell that mm. you have, which is called... Well, I have synesthesia. Synesthesia, yeah. because it mm. is like the beating heart of what you're about. It, I mean, truly, it's my language, it's Everything. my emotions. So your beautiful suit that you're wearing right now, yeah, I can smell it. So I'm smelling lemongrass, I'm smelling cardamom seeds. Um, is that because you look at a colour and you associate it yeah. with a smell? Yeah, and the, the microphone is I'm smelling like a really powdery buttercup uh, mimosa. So so you see a colour and you smell and the closest smell thing associated with that yeah. colour. So when you put on your red outfit today, do you smell poppy? No, I'm smelling... Actually, I don't smell anything with my red outfit today. Hold on. I have to think about it. I'm smelling... I'm smelling gardenia for some reason, raspberry. I'm smelling cedar. Because red is a colour for me which means go, action. Okay, so Get, you know, hard work, yeah. graph. So, I'm smelling w the warmth of the sun hitting the pavement. So it's not necessarily. It's, I'm not associating the colour with. It's something. the whole feeling it, of yeah, what the colour represents emotionally, and the phys it's a mixture of everything there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I love. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to live my life without it either. It's for everybody else. It's quite. Strange for yeah. me, it's the most natural thing in the world because it's my language, and smell can make me sad. Smell can make yeah. me feel like I could conquer the world doing anything. It can make me angry. It can make me so smell. For me, the sense of smell is like when you look at your five senses. Yeah. In what order do they come in for you? For me, mine is smell, taste, sound, sight, sound, touch. 
Mm. Yours will probably be... Mine is oddly smell. I mean, I'm quite obsessed about smell oh, okay. like you. That's why I, I really was excited for this conversation because I'm very... You know, I'll be in the house and smell. And Lila said, "There's no smell like and I, this, there's a smell, and I like, <laughs> but uh, weird smells." What's your, not to start on about it, but what's your first smell that you can remember that was a sad smell? I don't really concentrate on what makes me sad, but I think one of the things would have been, in a funny way, the smell of washing. I grew up in a council house, two up, two down. Mm. In fact, the other evening I was telling my story to someone and someone came up to me afterwards and she said, did you really grow up in a council house? And I said, yeah, why would I lie about that? I'm not ashamed, you know, where I came from. But I think one of the first smells were as a young child, Mm. um, my mum would bring home the clinic sheets from the face clinic and I would have to wash them. And that smell, and we had a two tub you didn't you didn't put them in the washing machine and turn it on yeah you used to have like a twin tub yeah so you'd wash them and then rinse them and I can remember that smell of washing powder mm-hmm. at midnight and I was tired and I was 11 years old mm. and I knew I couldn't go to bed until they were done until so That's um but I have more happy memories with smell than sad so that's a really strong smell when you grew up of that washing powder. Mm. What other smells are really strong from when you grew up? Um, my father wore Christian Dior Eau Sauvage, and whenever, oh my God. whenever he put that on, and he, although we lived, my in father a, wore Christian Dior oh. Eau Sauvage, and my my husband wore Christian Dior Eau Sauvage Extreme, uh, and so did Gary. So we have something in common. Oh, my God. So both our father... And my father was a gambler. I mean, oh, so he, that's when he would put it on. <laughs> so I associate that with poker. Christian Dior Eau Sauvage. So he would take me to the poker game, but whenever he had his beautiful silk shirt and his Eau Sauvage would go on, I knew that a poker game was round the corner. And you knew that maybe trouble was round the corner too because a gambler is never a consistent life. He was so creative, Trini. He was such an amazing... He, he, he passed away quite a few years ago now, but he was... I look back and I think about my dad almost every day mm-hmm. and... He was a difficult creative person, mm-hmm. but I learned so much about myself through my father. You know, he'd take me to the markets and I would sell the paintings. I loved, adored my mum. Mm-hmm. But after my mum had her breakdown, she changed very much as a character mm-hmm. and she was quite mean to me. Mm-hmm. My father, I had more in common with my father, but it's funny, they've all gone now. And I wish, it's my only regret in life. I wish I'd told them more I loved them and forgave them, Mm. actually, because Mm. now being a mum myself, you realise it's the hardest job in the world, Mm -hmm. being a parent often. Mm. When your child is put in your arms, you get what you're given, Mm -hmm. don't you? And I think I was probably very headstrong and I wish I'd told them more that I loved them Mm. than I did. But um, they come. my dad appears in my dreams at least twice a week. For me. Incredible. He, I, well, the way you talk about your dad, because my dad was a peacock in that nicest possible way. Like my dad took far more care about how he dressed than my mother. He mm-hmm. loved a beautiful shirt. I mean, the way you describe your dad, you know, he was a bon vivant. He told wonderful stories. Yeah, that he was, was handsome. Dad. You know, he loved to go and gamble. Um, <laughs> and so when I, I think what's Interesting. How many do you have a sister? I did. Yeah. You so, did. so all of my family passed within eighteen months. So, okay. my sorry. family. Well, yeah. But they. 
I look at them with, um, look back at all the memories and all the wonderful things. So my sister was definitely my mother's favourite. And I think I was probably my father's favourite. You favorite. see, I was yeah. going to say, are you the, the older sister or younger sister? Older. Yeah, and yeah. I think that there's an older sister, dad bond, which mm. is a really precious mm. bond. So that's maybe why he comes to you in dreams more than your mum. I just feel I was doing something. I was actually creating a fragrance the other day and I was sitting under the trees by the beach and I smelt it and it was as though he'd just walked past me. And I had this unbelievable sort of sense and presence that he was around and suddenly from nowhere this butterfly just landed on my hand. Mm. And the butterfly stayed for about an hour, just sat, sat on my wine glass, sat on my notebook, sat on the top. And I don't know whether I believe those kind of things, but it was as though he'd walked past me. Mm-hmm. And it was it gave me such a, a sense of pride and love, I suppose, mm-hmm. you know, that he did his best and my mum did his be- did their best. Mm. You know, they were always fighting. They were always in an argument. And I was always the go-between. I was always the mm-hmm. one that brought them back together again. So um, Memories become softer they when, do. when people... Uh, you know, mm. the further away we are from them. But I do believe your dad, part of your dad was in that butterfly. When when my dad passed away, we, my dad always looked up at this mountain in the mountains in France where he had a house. And he said, I will climb the Creo. He never climbed the Creo. So when he died, my sister, brother and I climbed this mountain and we let off his ashes. And the worst thing in that, you think it's a romantic thing, is that sometimes they come back in your face, which can just be a shitty thing, you know. But these ashes, we let them off and they dispersed mm. in this cloud. And this bird came out the cloud. Oh, my goodness. You know, and it was like your butterfly moment. And it's that feeling of that moment. So I want to ask you, when you think of all these amazing fragrances that you've mm-hmm. made over the years... Which one most imbues your dad, or which one did you think about Ooh, your dad the most? What a great question. I did one a long time ago called Spritzer, mm-hmm. and that was with him definitely in mind. He likes citrus, clean. He would have loved Pomelo because mm-hmm. he he was a painter. He was a great painter. He loved colour, but he loved sitting in front of water. So I love sitting when I'm my most creative when I'm sitting in front of water mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason. So he would have loved Pomelo, the smell of the beach. He would have loved the one I was creating the other day, which is, um, so I created this this fragrance, which was for the end of Ramadan, because mm-hmm. uh, I now live in the Middle East. Yeah, so it's been Eid. And I'd created a hundred little bottles. It hasn't even got a name yet. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be about the air as the sun was setting and people start to eat. It, mm-hmm. um, they have iftar, so we, we all ate as the sun was setting. That this was, the first thing they do is often take juice, like an orange juice, in order mm-hmm. to prepare your tummy for mm-hmm. it to eat. And this is, it's called sunkist orange and it's the skin of an orange and it reminds you that a new beginning is about to begin. And I scented so many people dressed in their beautiful abayas and uh, dish dashes. And it was just a, a smell that he would have loved. Mm. He would have loved. I'll, 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 yeah, I'd love I'll to smell it. Root it out and let you smell it. So you've lived in how many countries? I've lived in the UK, the US for a year, two years, and now in the Middle East in Dubai. 
Did you ever live in Australia? No, I know. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I've got a twang, haven't I? But you have this, it's like, when I heard you, I was thinking, is there a tiny bit of Australian in there? I wish. <gasps> I'd love to be a little Where bit Australian. Where do you think it comes from? I, I think it's where I pick up accents. Yeah. And um, when I lived in America, it was very Why did you pronounced. live in America? I was diagnosed with breast cancer. When you, you went to have that and incredible treatment. I, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was given here, I was given nine months to live that mm-hmm. night. And I was 38 years old, Trini. Mm-hmm. I had, Josh was only three at the time. And all I thought was I didn't care about business or fragrance. Mm-hmm. I cared about my husband and my, my son, you know, mm-hmm. was I ever going to see him grow up? And um, that night I, I was diagnosed, I sat there and thought I'm going to, I'm going to die. What was the diagnosis of stage four? Was it one that you... It was you'd... a very aggressive form yeah. of, of breast cancer. So yeah. at the time they could see it and they did the scan and they took a, a sample, a biopsy, and they could see that it mm. was pretty sinister. Mm. And I remember sitting on the bed thinking, Joe, you've never listened to anybody in your life what you should be. Why on earth are you going to listen to someone telling you that your life is going to end in nine months? But did they tell you that? Yeah. Those kind of things stay in your mind. And he said, I suggest you get your life in order. Mm-hmm. Um, you've probably got about nine months, mm-hmm. which is a terrible thing to say yeah. to somebody, yeah. to be honest, because, you know, it starts ticking, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And that so that evening I called the amazing Evelyn Lauder, late Evelyn Lauder, and she was climbing a mountain at the time mm-hmm. and her secretary connected me and I said, Evelyn... I have cancer and I think I'm going to die. And i never forget what she said. She said, honey, remember you make lemonade from lemons. Mm. And within seven days, I was on a plane flying to New York City to go and see the amazing Dr. Larry Norton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had all of my treatment in the Sloan Kettering. Mm. I was one of the first guinea pigs to mm. really take chemo every five days. So mm-hmm. I did the first course of adromycin cytoxin lost my hair, mm-hmm. had um, one mastectomy, and then I got to the end of all the treatment and they found it in the other breast. So I had to go through the whole thing all over again. And it was, I remember that that last week, and I reacted quite severely to chemotherapy, but it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked. And anybody that's listening to this going through that, can I just tell you, it's nowhere near as barbaric as it used to be. And so what, you lose your hair. So what, you know, I have the best set of boobs in the world now. I would never trade them back. And the chemo worked. So after a year of chemotherapy, Mm -hmm. in and out of hospital, Larry came into the room and he said, Joe Malone, it's gone. And I can't tell you, and I, he, he is one of my dearest friends today. That's so wonderful. He is so, in fact, when I got my MBE and my CBE, I think it was, he came with me. He, you were allowed to take three guests. Yeah. So Gary, Josh and Dr. Larry came with me. And I remember that feeling of I've got to go back and live my life and claim my life again. But what I hadn't told anybody is it had taken my sense of smell. I hadn't mm. even told Gary mm. or Larry. I was mm. so afraid that my business would be gone and the one mm-hmm. thing I really loved to do which was create smell. How many gone. years into the business were you? I'd sold it by that point. You sold it? Yeah. Can I, I ask it. you something? In England you can get treatment on the National Health. In America you pay for everything yeah. and having that kind of treatment must have cost a lot of money. Yeah, it did. And 
to be alive, you'd get rid of everything. But, you know, I'm not, I'm never judging. But it's mm. like how you built a company up, you sold it beautifully. And you, then you're sick. And then you get well. And there's a cost to it. Mm-hmm. What are some of the elements of that that you think about? Do you know what I um, mean? I know, yeah. I, know, I know what you're saying. If I hadn't sold my company, would I still be alive? Yeah, I don't. I know. mean, that's. I don't. Like the, I don't know the answer question. to that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'd hope so. Yeah. And I think each each person has to make that call on their life, on yeah. their own life. And to be honest, I just wanted to live, mm. and I wanted to see my son grow up. There were certain things in my head. I wanted to take him to school for the first time. Mm-hmm. I wanted. I wanted to see him run in the sports. I wanted to see him go to university. I wanted to see him bring his girlfriend home for the mm-hmm. first time. I wanted to see all those things. And I would have given everything away that I'd earned in order to have a few yeah. years. Yeah. And yes, it was. Um, and But we sold our company by that point. So what did I do? Did I just sit on the money? Mm. Or did I use it in order for me to be able to go on and, and build again. Mm. And then coming out the other end and thinking to myself, that was money well spent. Mm. And you know something today, it's very different. Cancer is treated across the world. Yeah. And why? Because of brilliant places like the Royal Marsden, mm-hmm. the one in Surrey, which is where they do a lot of the research. Yeah. And of course, cancer hospitals and doctors now are all working together in order to... I, mean, I remember Larry, I mean, I was... 38 years old and I'm going to be 60 this Mm. year. So it was a long time ago and I'm still all clear, thank goodness, because of all of that. But I remember him saying there's this amazing drug called tamoxifen and it will change the way women recover. And And today tamoxifen is, uh, you know, we look at most cancers and this incredible blood test now, which you can have, Mm. which will be able to detect that rise in proteins and certain way before you even develop any symptoms. So... Cancer is we are living in the last realms of people really, you know, suffering and dying from cancer in the way that we have known. I want to ask you first, because this is about fear and fearlessness. Your journey so far, you epitomise fearlessness. But apart from that day, Mm -hmm. um, when have you been most scared, fearful? I thought about this. I'm not. I can be a scaredy cat in certain mm-hmm. situations, like put me in front of 10,000 people and to talk, no fear at all. Mm-hmm. Put me in a dinner party with 12 people, I get damp hands, yeah. I sweat a bit, I yeah. kind of get nervous. But fear in itself, I think the cancer one definitely, and actually starting Joe Loves. That was, I know. That, yeah, because that was... You had a, f- a few years, like three years between the five. two, five years between the two, because you yeah. had a, a no-compete, um, non-compete yes. thing. Yeah. So did you know what you wanted to do? Those five years were harder than fighting cancer. Mm. And I tell you why, because fragrance isn't a business to me. Mm-hmm. It's my best friend. Mm. It's how I look at life. Mm-hmm. I become a bigger and better person when I'm creating. And when I'm not creating, I feel half a person, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. So it takes your life force away. It it kind of doesn't... I'm not giving my best. Mm-hmm. And I I just always want to give every single day my very best to life, to people, and to myself and my family. And I think I was really fearful that no one would ever know 
I had another business. So the first two years were excruciatingly mm -hmm. difficult. We had to register, I think I said this to you at the, at the time when we were in the Candle studio, that we had to register Joe Loves across the world. We spent something like 1.5 million of mm -hmm. our money registering that name because we knew that if we came out with a brand, mm -hmm. people would lock us out of territories. So yeah. we had, before we sold one bottle, before we even created one bottle. Mm -hmm. So it was a complete flip side to everything that you know about running a business. And I would think, what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if I fail? What happens if? What's and been your hardest moment in building up Joe Loves? When, I mean, um, I could tell you my hardest moments of just like, because you self-funded. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was will I get funded? You know, I sold my house, I sold my clothes. It was like, I didn't you know, know that. yeah, what wow. will I put on the line? Mm. And there was that moment of, it's like I have an IVF to have Lila. I had 16 rounds of IVF, but there was a moment when I thought mm. I'd never have a child and a moment when I thought I'll never not have a child. You, you, it was limbo land. But for you, mm. at the mm. beginning of Joe Loves, what was that biggest fear? That I wouldn't succeed and that I would forever be standing off stage watching my name go around the world yeah. and I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, that, I mean, this is a Bobby Brown moment. It's this a Bobby Brown, it's Jill Sander, it's Donna, yeah. Yeah, yeah. anybody who sold yeah. their, who, you know, who sells their name. And I think now looking back, thank goodness I did what I did because I'm living, I am the happiest I have ever been in my life mm. and succeeding and, and living that dream. And I would never have got there unless I'd pushed through and stood up again and dusted myself. But I would say to my husband, my husband and I are business partners, and I would say every morning, I'm done, I'm done. I, I want to fold it. This is like how many years in? One, two, three two, years? Two years two into years it. In, yeah. yeah, it was it was like wading through treacle. Mm, no one knew mm -hmm. I'd left. No one knew I was starting again. Mm. I couldn't be Joe Malone, cream and black box. I was mm. Joe Malone. I was caught yeah. right in the middle of everything and all I knew was I could still build something global. It, it was always about building a global brand. It mm -hmm. was never about a little perfume shop in Elizabeth Street. Yeah. But those steps when you're building and, you know, how brave of you to... to I would never have sold my house, by the way. Mm. And I'm not sure anyone would have paid anything for my clothes. So <laughs> I'm not sure what I would have done there. Well, maybe if you have a perfume collection, <laughs> you know, but I think it's just... But it was fearful and yeah, it was that, that, it was really that feeling of, will I ever do this again? You know, mm -hmm. will I be able to build and create? Compete and... with yourself. I mean, there's an element there of yeah, competing with your legacy. Competing and with your first legacy. I never look at it as competing with myself, but competing with a legacy, yeah, yes, absolutely. And a, and a history yeah. and a reputation. Yeah. And, and there I reputation. was. And I was standing there, you know, on the, on the platform of life launching a global brand in my knickers. That's what it felt like. Yeah. But you, again, you, I think the three greatest things we have in life are passion, resilience and creativity. Mm. If you seek those three things in your life, you will succeed. And resilience, I'm afraid, only comes through tough times. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep picking yourself up and mm. keep thinking. And the entrepreneur, and I suppose... The, my father came back so many times in my head, you know, that he would create something from nothing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in life you have to pick up the pieces that are on the floor, you have to piece them together and make something that makes you smile Yeah, and start there. So why did you move to Dubai? 
So I went through a couple of, uh, actually an, another fearful moment for me was, and I don't know why this was, it was just after COVID. And I started to get very, very anxious. So mm -hmm. much so that I was on the brink of going into hospital. I don't know okay. what triggered it. It was that feeling, I always need to be in control. Mm -hmm. You understand that? Yeah, totally. And when I lose control, I something just, I don't understand why it happened. Never happened when I was fighting cancer, never happened when I was growing a business, but it did happen. That isolation maybe. And I started to develop, develop really severe anxiety mm -hmm. problems. So much so that I was rushed into hospital and they couldn't figure out what it was until another brilliant doctor. She's called Dr. Anna Albright mm -hmm. and she's a cognitive therapist. And in fact, one of my dear, dear friends today. And she said, you need help. Your brain is producing too much adrenaline. So anyway, got help. Mm -hmm. found, and again, anyone listening to this, do you know what? There's no shame in admitting. And the most creative, hardworking people are often the people where this page turns mm -hmm. somewhere in their life. Mm -hmm. Anyway, went off to Dubai mm -hmm. for a holiday, sitting by the pool one day. And I thought, I'm going to be 60 in a few years time. I've got... 10 to 15 incredible years of my life. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I thought, just go on an adventure, Joe. Just yeah. see. So I looked at Gary and I said, um, Gaz, how about we come and live in Dubai? And it was really like that. Mm -hmm. And he's, his eyes just lit up because he loves an adventure. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah. And I said, shall we seal the deal? And he said, what do you mean? And coming out of the sky were people jumping out of a plane. Mm -hmm. And I said, tomorrow morning, we will be in that plane, we will jump out and we will seal the deal and we will come and live here in Dubai. And it's exactly what we did. And for the oh woman for the woman who couldn't even walk around the block with anxiety, mm -hmm. strapped to an Egyptian rugby player called Tarek, out I went. And I swear this is true, I left that anxiety in the plane and it hasn't come back. I mean, Has this is back. the most fearless thing in my mind you've done because the biggest fear for me is jumping out of a plane. Well, you can come and do it with me. It's like... That's so incredible. It was. Just, that's so incredible. It's that moment where you jump before the parachute and everything <sighs> is really, really good. Once yeah. the parachute pulls, pulls up, mm -hmm. you're, but you are, you know, we free falled, I think, for about 8,000 feet. You see, I I'm mean, getting was, sweaty palms with you even. That's how much, and my feet are getting nothing, sweaty. I knew nothing was going to happen to me. I knew, yeah. but I faced sometimes fear and fearlessness are the same breath. And what you fear most. What do you mean by that? What you fear most is fear itself, not the act. Mm. And when you walk into that fear and you face it, mm -hmm. you stop being frightened of it and it stops controlling you. Mm. And that fear is still in that plane. I have not had, I still take, you know, something to actually regulate the adrenaline because I run mm -hmm. on adrenaline the whole time. Yeah. Um, but that fearlessness, and I've become braver stronger and I watch the sunrise and sunset every day on a beach and I thank God for the day but I I want adventure every mm -hmm. I go and find adventure mm -hmm. I I just am braver than I've ever been in my life and I kind of have a real clear vision and goal of who I want to be in the next 10 to 15 years of my life so when you look at the vision and you look at Joe Loves and you look at how far you can take it because fearlessness also to me is about how big can you make that vision where you feel it's achievable? It's, it, because we can, you know, there is that thing about, you know, the, the buzzword of 
manifestation. Sorry, I say that I don't to be I don't to be detrimental at all to anyone who manifests who's listening to this, but just it can it can be taken in a way of I want a car and money. I just think it it has two different types of things. But if you look at your vision, so your visioning, mm. I, I like the term visioning more than manifestation. Okay, mm. what's the vision? What do you see for Joe Loves? And where do you see it? And, and literally give me that, like, if I'm going to come back to you in five years, what am I going to see, Joe? Three years. Great. <laughs> I like that one. What am I going to see, Joe? Well, she's already, I mean, we, we've opened so many different global markets. So we're in China, Korea, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. You're in there in wholesale or in your own stores or how? Um, they're store in stores. Stores in stores, yeah. So we have partners in all of those. Mm -hmm. I want to see us in India, which is one of the reasons I've gone to Dubai. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to travel in that part of the world. And mm -hmm. also in Dubai, there is a banquet of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I want to sit at that table and be part of that banquet. Mm -hmm. But when you have that vision, mm -hmm. with it comes responsibility. And that responsibility is yours. Don't expect someone else to make that happen for you. So it's my vision and my dream. Mm -hmm. How do I make that happen? Mm -hmm. And I had a, I've got a couple of like wishes and adventures. One of the things I want to be in the next couple of years is I want... I know that I see life in a very different way from an, an entrepreneurial perspective. And I know my sense of smell is probably one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. I know that. Mm -hmm. I want to be the scent eyes in a global corporation. So as you know, I do all the fragrances. Uh, well, I do a collection for Zara. Mm -hmm. And that's really taught me a whole different appetite. I didn't know that you did the fragrances for Zara. I, I do my, my collection for them. So I've got 42 with them. And what is it called? If you look on the back, uh, it says created by Joe Malone CBE. So it's Zara Fragrances. Yeah. They have their own collection as well that they okay. do. So they have lots. Yeah. And we have a wonderful new collection launching this year. And stepping out sometimes of your own footprint mm -hmm. and standing in someone else's mm -hmm. is so good for you mm -hmm. because it makes you look at your vision mm -hmm. from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think... Working for Zara has been such a wonderful experience for me. Mm -hmm. Really, really great. But I want to be the scent eyes. And so when I was sitting, When you say the scent eyes, do you mean the eyes of scent? Sorry. I, I want to bring what do you scent mean by that? into... I don't really know. I want to create a scented beach. I want to create... I want to go in and do all the menus for restaurants. I want to create a scent cocktail bar. So bringing all of those five senses, but back through the tunnel of the sense of smell. Okay. So, so how does that manifest itself in reality? I have to go out there and find it. And if there is anywhere in the world that I will find that, it's going to be in that part of the world. And so do you believe then, because one thing I have learned as my, in my journey of an entrepreneur is that I can have a lot of spinning plates, all right, yep. and I can hone in on what's the vision, where it's going, and then I can think of lots of other things. And then I have to, at some stage, prioritise in order to be able... To make it, yeah. To make it successful. Mm -hmm. Because if I divert myself too much, I dilute the strength of... That's very true. ...of what Trini yeah. London is. So when you're saying this, I see that huge vision, and I see you're a woman of immense vision. But also, when you talked about Joe Loves... And you talked about your strategy. So you have partners in these territories. 
how does one, ex- you, you said three years to me, so it's how do you exponentially grow it so it's so big so quickly in those three years? I th- Honestly, I think the opportunities in the business world in the next five, mm-hmm. and for me three, mm-hmm. are phenomenal. Mm. And sometimes you have to create those situations. Like, for instance, okay, so I have this vision. I c- I'm, I'm already there. Mm-hmm. I'm already creating. I know what it, where I want to be and what I yeah. want to do. But how do I get there? So what yeah. are the what are the stepping points? One of them was for the football in Qatar. We scented. I scented the garden for the mm-hmm. British um, tent. Uh, tent. Yeah, whatever. What, no, yeah, was, the, the, yeah, like the Biennale. British garden anyway. Yeah. So I used white rose and lemon leaves and golden gardenia for the gold cup didn't get us a win but uh, it was a beautifully scented garden so Mm. that was one and then what happened is everybody saw what I was doing can Joe do something else so I was then in the British consulate when uh, the King Charles was being crowned and I was able to scent use my scent in that way as well Mm -hmm. and so what happens is people start to see it not just as a candle and a bottle but it's something more than that Mm -hmm. and so what else could I do Mm And about two years ago, my son was studying a book called A Thousand and One Arabian Nights Mm -hmm. in university. And he said to me one day, Mom, this woman really reminds me of you. Mm -hmm. And I said, darling, who's that? And he said, Queen Sherazade. Mm -hmm. And I said, how nice. Why is that? And he said, because she's the greatest storyteller of all time. Mm -hmm. And so it was so lovely. And it made me think how would I translate A Thousand and One Arabian Nights? Mm -hmm. And I came up with this idea at the beginning of the year that I would spend the whole of this year creating 101 notes. Mm -hmm. I'm at 57 at the moment. 101 notes through all my experience. So Sunkist Orange is one Mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. The Dame is another. Mm -hmm. At the end of this year, you will be... I'll come in back here with you and you will be able to give me a story of your life in one sentence Mm -hmm. and I will recreate that story for you in under five notes. And it could be... You've just got yourself a new job. It could be someone's just proposed to you. It can be anything. Mm-hmm. But I will use those notes in order to recreate that story for you uh, and for it to become like a scent memory. So what I'm doing is I'm focusing on my vision, where I'm going. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. If I focus on too many things, but that's where a great team come into play. Yeah. So the actual day-to-day running of our business Catherine runs it here with the team Mm -hmm. in the UK. Gary and I are in the Middle East and growing. Mm -hmm. But I sit in the front of that ship and I'm looking for opportunity the whole time. So my job is not running a business. Mm. My job is being the creative part and the visionary. So, And I let everybody else sail the ship. But I'm saying, you know what? I know there's something over there. Mm -hmm. That's where we're heading. And sometimes you can get people in your team who say... I'm not sure about that. I think it's the wrong direction. You know what? This is my business. That's where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Mm. But if I'm right, you know, that wonderful quote by Geddes, for man to discover new oceans, he must first have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Mm. And that that's, you know, that's that fearlessness. Yeah. It is fearlessness. It is that not knowing how it will end, but knowing that that vision of the journey is what you focus on. And it will all be revealed. (laughs) In time. In time. So three years time that is going to be, I imagine. So I'm going to do, I'm going to vision for you. All Mm -hmm. right. So I would say in three years time that Joe Loves is a globally established name. 
So when you talk about other partners in the markets, that you would go to Japan or Korea or Brazil or America and you would see Joe Loves. Yeah. So that's like... I'll take that one. Take that one. All right. But then there's this bigger picture, which I think is what motivates you the most of that kind of how can you take life's experience, all life's experiences and bring them back to this association with with smell. Yeah. And how can you be the owner of that, the global owner of that? <laughs> I think that's it's a global ownership element. Because I think where I see you fearless is you have no fear in saying... I'm the best nose in the world. I, you know what I mean? It's like you own your shit, Joe. And, and a part of me looks <laughs> oh, at Jenny, it. You make me laugh. No, but a part of me looks at it and thinks, I couldn't have the audacity to say that. I, something would stop me saying that. Why? You know, because I just like, you know, could I own that I know how to dress women's body shapes more than anyone else? I probably could. Yes. Now, is that something that's not politically correct now to say you should disguise this, reproportion this, it's like celebrate everybody or whatever, but I still think there's a fundamental, really helpful things that if we know our body shapes, we can know how we can dress so everything flows. Would I own that? Yes, I probably own that. So if I equate it to that, then I could say, yes, I get why you could say it, but I just, I'm slightly in awe, I am in awe of your ability to have this fundamental, fundamental ownership of what you know you can do. Well, I think it's not about being big-headed. It's not about... I'm not frightened of mistakes either, by the way. Mm. I'd rather make mistakes and try. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm perfect the whole time. It's mm -hmm. not that I create everything and it's a, it, it, you know, it's a bestseller. It's, no, it's nothing to do with that, but it's that I feel very comfortable around the jewel that I have in life. I think I believe everybody has something that's so amazing about yeah. them. Yeah. And the gift of life is to spend your life finding what that is. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, not everyone is going to be able to play the piano or paint a beautiful picture, but finding that thing, and I think I found... When did you find it? How old gift. were you? I was young. I was like 15, 16 years old. When, do you when remember I, that moment totally that you think uh, this it, is it? It was over a period of time, I think. But I found the thing that gave me the power to be master of my own destiny in, mm. in many ways. Mm. And it's not that I'm perfect. It's not, you know, it's not anything to do with that. But I know that I have something and a viewpoint in life that no one else has in the world. Mm. And, you know, now I go around the world and I share a story of being an entrepreneur. And I can motivate a room full of 5,000 people to believe mm. they can mm. in under 45 minutes. I think I've got a very, but I, I feel very down to earth still. Mm -hmm. I feel very, my feet are on the ground. Mm -hmm. I think I think you have it, absolutely. I mean, I think your viewpoint on life and how you dress women and how you make, because when you're around, you make people feel better about themselves. Mm. They feel they look better. Mm -hmm. They, you know, you're able to give that. I watched you the other day in Zara, by the way. Mm -hmm. You were in your leopard skin jumpsuit. I ran in in Duke of York Square, oh, yeah. and you were filming. And I was watching how energetic and your energy was just absolutely transforming down through to this person who stood in front of a mirror and started to smile. Mm. So you do have it. You yeah. absolutely have it and uh, own it. Mm. I think it's incredibly refreshing and I think it's inspiring to listen to of just know what you're good at and really believe it. You know, 
whatever it might be, making bloody tea. But it's like owning, I know how to do that unbelievably well because it gives you those little elements of confidence mm. to build on mm. and then... And perfect, then, it, um, yeah. perfect it. My hardest thing is I find it difficult to stand still and look and think mm. what I've done and I'm always challenging what... I have yet to do. So I have a thing here. And then in times of stress, this is why I love the thing you said but I, about your cognitive therapy. It's like I want to speak to her. Because under stress, I'm not great. All right. So I have... No, nobody is. Nobody is. I know. But I, I don't... It doesn't come out well. So I have this thing, which I'm going to read to you. And I, I should know this by now. It's a declaration you make. So, oh. so, so I have this mm -hmm. declaration. I have a CEO code. So this is my declaration. <laughs> And I'm going to say it because I, I just, I have to keep saying it. Um, I am a commitment to leading with balance, respect and strategic follow through, even when I'm stressed out. That's And you say that every day to yourself. So I've been saying this every day to myself because I know that when I'm stressed, mm. those things can go out the window. Mm. Um, mm. And stress is through fear. They're so closely connected to me. And you spoke about this earlier and that feeling of the connection. So I have to then think, OK, what are you scared about? And is that a, a thought in your head or is that you? Is that realistic? 99% mm. of everything we worry about never happens. So if I can dial down that level of stress, mm. then I can let go of that need to control and that kind of behaviour where I'm sort of bum, 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 as opposed to strategic vision leading like when you said you're out on the bow of the ship and you're looking at the horizon and your team are mining the day-to-day -day, knowing they're putting their trust in you to have mm. that vision mm. and whoever's not on board with the vision gets off the ship frankly and I agree with that one um but that's it's very clear in your head and I mm. and I love the visual that you use because I see that you're looking at the horizon and they're looking at how to do that you know what I mean it's like I think you need both, you know, in order to build a global brand. I can't, I can't be. One of the things I would say that I found really helpful is I spent a lot of my time in my younger years living for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Live in the moment. Mm. You know what? Today, mm -hmm. right now is, is mm -hmm. all that matters to me right now as I'm sitting yeah. here with you. And actually that dilutes fear down because tomorrow I'll deal with tomorrow, mm -hmm. but today this is where I am today and I mm -hmm. can make a difference. And actually that dialing down of that adrenaline and that feeling of I can't control it. Because what happens is you, you all your mind just, you feel like you're on a merry-go-round going round and round. And then the other thing is never make a life-changing decision on a bad day. Yeah. And if you look at it like climbing a mountain, always be able to see the landscape when you're making these big life decisions like mm -hmm. selling a company or leaving a job or something, you know, sometimes we make really big decisions in our life because we're sad. Mm -hmm. Climb up to the top of the mountain and look at the landscape because you know what? Your viewpoint can change very quickly mm -hmm. and you end up making a decision, a life-changing decision based upon the view that's in front of you, mm -hmm. which sometimes when it's tough can be climbing up a rock. Yeah, Stand at a point and it's really helped me in business to think through that landscape, okay, so I can see that there, I can see this. Have you ever seen that movie, The Queen's Gambit? Yes. So uh, yes, my when mind she's works. she's doing the whole on, chess moves. That's how yeah, my mind works. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes things that worry me, there's two things worrying me at the moment, and I've parked it over yeah, there yeah. for the last month and thought about it. And then 
actually, in the last few days, I've thought, oh, my God, there's a solution. I know how to work that out now. So I'll bring that that's worried me back in to my Queen's Gambit mm -hmm. ceiling and I can now deal with it. So when you didn't have the solution for it, was it to do with people or... Uh, people. With, to do with people. So what to do around something yep. to do with people. Because yep. that's always a, the most challenging one to me For as me, well. it is yeah. as well. It's too much because yep. strategic ones aren't so challenging. So did you... When you parked it, did you just let go of it? Yeah. How did you think you got to the light bulb moment of then knowing the solution? Because I had to, I had to think about it with imagination. I had to think about it with kindness. I had to think about it. I mean, it's nothing to do with my team. I, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. No, 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 this is yeah. something that I'm that I'm working on, and I couldn't make it work in the way that I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in life, you always have three choices. You can either walk away from a situation. You can either accept it mm -hmm. as it was, and I couldn't do either of those. Mm -hmm. So I had to park it and keep trying to find a solution. Now I found the solution, and I know. So the other one's still parked over there, but the other one I've moved in, and it's like I know exactly what I'm going to do there now mm. and how I can then take that situation and then continue to move forward. Yeah. So, you know, strategic, yeah, strategic thinking. It's really. about letting go to get some distance. Sometimes. A little bit. Yeah. Like with that one, it sounds like it was like just... Yeah. And sometimes if you get angry and emotional about a situation... we got to feed Joe. No, it's not. I have my banana, sorry. I tell you, I had a really bad shit before we started this program. <laughs> and the worst thing was, can I just tell you, is that I, I came out the loo and I thought, Joe has such an incredible sense of smell. I hope she doesn't need to go to the loo. That was my tummy rumbling. Okay. Nothing I else. want you to do something now. I know this sounds really weird, but can you sniff my leg and tell me what notes might be there? No. No, I just want you to smell. Why? No, just, just tell me what you think. Okay, just there. Uh, lime. Mm -hmm. I can smell citrus. I can't. Um, I used to be able to be more flexible. I'm now trying to bring my hey, leg. That's, that's a up first to it. for me in a podcast. I know, I know, because I was trying to think. I, I don't. We're too far away, you see. But Lovely. Yeah, there's a bit of lime there, isn't yeah. there? There's a bit of lime there. Because I was wearing Blender Bouquet yesterday, anyway. Which is, oh, Penhaligans. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Bluebell. Hello. Oh, you Blue like Bell. Bluebell? I, I, I can't do sweet, so I, Blenheim is my favourite because it's citrusy and <clears> men's like, you know. But you, your three favourite smells are my three favourite smells, or three favourite ingredients that I remember you mentioned. So you mentioned fig, neroli. Oh and, yes, um, I fig love. neroli, and there was a third one. I love vetiver. Vetiver, exactly. Because my first, well, I had fracar years ago. And then oh, I did vetiver for years. Yeah. And then I did, there's a very sweet Australian um, guy who did this, does this thing called Woody Fig. Yeah. But I just want to ask you, when you're concocting, when you're mm -hmm. recipeing, when you're creating, do you go from that moment? So let's say you're thinking of the one to celebrate Eid or to celebrate the mm -hmm. end of Ramadan. So you've got those smells in there. Do you then go back and do you have, because I used to work at Cajon in Paris and with the nose man and he had his, his traditional organ. horseshoe yes. organ with all the things and I used to have to test with him mm. and he taught me to do mm. the testing. But do you then go back, do you have an organ? So I... Uh, how do you do it? So I sit under the trees. Yeah. I find, so I love going down by the old creek. Yeah. And I sit in this tiny little um, hotel courtyard under the trees. Yeah. Take all my bottles and my papers. Yeah. And I sit and I smell and I just sit. I like it by myself. I don't want anyone. So you've got all the, how many bottles do you oh, have? Oh, two, three, four hundred. Okay. So they're so, all there and so you're I've just like. So I've created a cords. Yeah. 
chords is like a note, just yeah. just like music. Yeah. And then what I what I, I I do I just close my eyes and I smell, let it dry, and then if I turn the paper up, mm -hmm. they're in. If the paper's down, they're out. So I narrow it down really, really quickly. Okay. And then when I when I get nearer and nearer and nearer and I've placed, you know, maybe sun-kissed orange with a little bit of vetiver, mm -hmm. a little bit of cedar mm -hmm. or a little bit of frankincense. Mm -hmm. So I've got them all together like a little family and then I will smell. And I have this amazing thing where I see holes in the fragrance. And so my job is then to go into the bigger library of what I've created and I will pluck a memory that I associate with the note, mm -hmm. and then I will place it into the hole in the fragrance. Mm -hmm. And that's how I do it. And that completes your fragrance. And that completes it. But that can sometimes take five minutes or five years. You know, it, it, it just, and I love using paintbrushes. So I take paintbrushes and then I will take the notes and mm -hmm. I'll paint them onto my clothes or um, I've got a caftan. Because you I really love. invented the art of layering fragrance. I don't think I'd ever heard you know, maybe years ago it was done organically, but I think you kind of trademarked that concept that you can layer more than one fragrance together. You can you can combine, you can, you know, take them. But I think I think my biggest Willy Wonka moment mm -hmm. was the paintbrush I created, yeah. I think the paintbrush looking at your body as though it's a canvas mm -hmm. and painting your body with fragrance has been one of the most creative exciting yeah. and when we look at tiktok and we look at you know the young generations coming through they just think it's the most wonderful mm -hmm. exciting way of being able to to wear you know, fragrance we went to korea just recently mm. and i painted thousands of people i can't tell you and i from the tiny little little boy sitting in the front row mm -hmm. and all, you know can you paint me miss joe can you paint so me so did you paint different ones because you have 20 of these just for people who are listening because i didn't i have to say joe i didn't know about these and i went on your website this morning and oh, i, I just, sent you some i was mesmerized by them i mm. i literally thought because we've seen roller balls we've seen all incarnations of fragrance but i'd to get to a stage where you're going from the eau de parfum to the eau de toilette to the you know, the, the rollerball to the ascent, you know, and then suddenly here's this kind of click pen releasing fragrance with this beautiful sable it's a, brush. It's a brush, yeah. Um, onto the skin. And I thought it was just genius. I have to say, I really thought it was genius. But is the intention that you'd buy a few and layer them or is each one a specific fragrance or are you meant to paint different ones together? Or you're, is the, it... you're the artist. Okay. You decide. Okay. Our job is to teach you how to wear them. Yeah. But you can put them onto your clothes. You mm -hmm. can paint it into your hair. Mm -hmm. You can create sort of a beautiful sort of white cotton dress. Mm -hmm. And you can take the pink vetiver and do little silver pinstripes. No colour. Yeah. But you can pinstripe. So you can take it onto your clothes. I love a crisp white shirt that smells of cologne. Yeah, uh, yeah I love a big yeah. cashmere that smells of amber, patchouli, mm -hmm. and so again, you know, there's so many the textures of, of fabric and how different they smell. Different things. Mm. Do you know what's so amazing though? I suffer from dyslexia, and in the shop we often have parents bring their dyslexic children in or whatever. The paintbrush has, re we've seen the paintbrush with the, you know, dyspraxics, dyslexics, children who, who have the ability to think differently. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. But they're so excited because often, you know, children who struggle a little bit, mm -hmm. 
the sense of smell brings them out into the open, yeah. into creativity. So uh, the paintbrushes have been such an incredible business opportunity, mm -hmm. but a really human story mm -hmm. as well with it. And we travel, I travel everywhere with them because it's uh, gel cologne, mm -hmm. so it's not liquid. But I will yeah. send you some. And, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. They, they just, with this mango and Thai lime, there's pomelo, Joe by Joe Loves, orange butterflies, which mm. is nearly the smell mm. of the, the garden in the south of France. Yeah, beautiful. I just, it's like when you talk about it, it's like I'm there, I'm in another country, I'm experiencing something different. Well, come with me one day. Yeah, I will. I'm like, come with gone. me, yeah. come and create. And, uh, you know, yeah. you obviously have got a great nose. Yeah. Well, Joe, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Thank I'm you. so excited to be following your journey of global domination <laughs> and um, chief creative officer of fragrance generally. Um, thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. There was so much that I took away from that chat, but one of the biggest things is that classic thing, what you fear most is fear itself, not the act of it. So it's like when you walk into it and you face that fear and you'll, it's like you're in the eye of the storm, it stops controlling you. And I really got that through how she told that story. You know, I was so inspired that Joe jumped out of an aeroplane with Tariq, the Egyptian rugby player. I just couldn't do that. I mean, I look at that and I think that's a fear I haven't yet worked through. And the way she talked about leaving the fear on the plane was just brilliant and made me think I should try and do that. And I know there's kind of, you know, confidence coaches who do that with people and push them out the air of aeroplanes. And just her passion and her resilience and her creativity and having those three things, you know, when she was talking about sitting where she lives now in Dubai, on the sand and just having those scents around her and just letting her brain have the freedom to be creative. How often have we been paralysed by fears and we cannot let ourselves be creative? So for those of you who are sort of in a, you know, a creative block, just surrounding yourself with things that will release that flow, I thought was really, truly inspiring. And also... For her, the scariest thing would be to sell her name, but selling her name ultimately helped her live through, you know, going to get treatment in America for her breast cancer. And just, you could hear from Joe's voice how she really is living, L-I-V-I-N-G, capital letters, all of them. And you feel the happiness emanate from her. And that's somebody who's been through so much. I love listening to her story. And I can't wait to get my hands on that scent pen, by the way. I know that Lila's going to steal it as soon as it comes through the door. I'm not quite sure, though, what Joe thought about leg sniffing. I think she'll put that one away for a while. So thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. <laughs>